Who is the faith-based investor and how do you identify them? The truth is, many investors are relying on their advisors to bring these types of investing concepts to them. But there are few comprehensive resources available that provide actionable, turnkey takeaways for advisors to use and successfully implement faith-based investing into their practice. Today, we'll be speaking with Chad Hamilton, the Director of Practice Management at Brown & Company and the author of the ebook Faith-Based Investing, A Guide for Financial Advisors. And we'll discuss why it's important, especially in today's environment, to arm advisors with faith-based investing strategies from education all the way to implementation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Faith-Based Investing with Guidestone Funds. I'm your host, Will Laughlin, and I'm excited to be joined by Chad Hamilton to discuss his ebook and the larger idea of financial professionals wholly incorporating faith-based investing into their everyday work with clients. Welcome to the show, Chad. Thanks for having me, Will. Well, I've worked in this faith-based investing universe for, for Guidestone for about six years now, and when I read your book, it really stood out to me, and largely because I haven't seen a lot of content out there that really helps get advisors from point A to point B. So maybe to start, tell me about what drove you to write this book and how you were able to frame it uh, in a way that really takes somebody from the why to the how. Yeah, I'd love to. I, you, know, you think about it this way. Faith-based investing can be a little bit like the chicken or the egg scenario. On the one hand, you have advisors very often saying they don't present it as an option because their clients aren't asking for it. But then on the other hand, you have clients who are not asking for it because they don't know to ask. There's a lack of awareness there. And that's why I thought it was critical to provide advisors with a comprehensive resource that touches on faith-based investing from multiple aspects, theological, empirical, practical. Um, because while there are a lot of variety, uh, lots of resources, a big variety of resources available on the topic, very few that I'm aware of touch on all of those aspects comprehensively. So is your work with uh, advisors uh, over the years reinforced that realization for uh, this need in our industry? Yeah, definitely. I mean, having worked with hundreds of advisors over the last decade, I, I realized that some advisors gravitate more toward the practical insight of how this topic can help deepen client relationships, right? And then there are others that are more eager and, and need to learn more about the data and the statistics to support the validity of faith-based investing. And, and all concerns that run the gamut are important. So this ebook looks to connect sort of the head with the heart to make really a, a comprehensive case for it. Yeah, that's great. I completely uh, agree, and uh, it is incredibly needed. So you mentioned looking at faith-based investing from three different standpoints. Can you elaborate on that a little more? Sure. Yeah, in, in the ebook, I present it as a three-legged stool, right? So that includes the one leg is theological, the second is empirical, and the third is the practical, sort of the practical reasons in support of faith-based investing. So the first, the theological pillar, articulates how the gospel has a ripple effect throughout our thought process, impacting how we think about everything from institutions to business to investing. And then second, I like to think of the empirical perspective as the part that looks more deeply into how faith-based investing fits 
within the broader world of financial planning and then assesses different forms of faith-based investing, gets into screening, and also validates and substantiates it from a performance standpoint. And then lastly, the practical application, the third leg of the stool uh, that, that looks at it from a practice uh, management perspective. And so the ebook looks at um, at all of these things in the aggregate and and really um, you know from from the practical side helps advisors understand how to differentiate their practice and also uh, deepen their relationships with clients and and grow new relationships. So having a resource that has all of this information in one place, that's really invaluable. So after reading through the ebook, uh, I was talking with a few of my colleagues at Guidestone, and I think there were a couple of chapters that we at least felt were really compelling based on what we had been hearing. Uh, so maybe let's take a little bit of time and, and dive into a few of those. Uh, and the one that I'd like to start with is chapter two, how the Bible impacts our view of business. Yeah, absolutely. I you know, a lot of Christian advisors, I, I don't think this is intentional, by the way, but just haven't really made the connection between their faith and business and how they think about business. And we've found that many believe, or at least act as if they're completely compartmentalized, that the role of business and the importance of faith are uh, just two disconnected sorts of uh, spheres of life, if you will. So what do you think then we typically think of as the purpose of business? And maybe tell me how the Bible challenges that perception. Yeah, I mean, we can go back decades to Milton Friedman and um, his articulation that, you know, ultimately the, the purpose of business is to maximize shareholder value or to maximize profits. And while I think that scripture does uh, validate that. I mean, if you look at, you know, everything from Genesis 128 charging us to be fruitful or De Deuteronomy chapter eight, there certainly are uh, acknowledgments of the value of what we might consider and call wealth creation. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, but it's a difference. It's it's getting purpose and results confused, right? So from a scriptural standpoint, a biblical perspective, I do think it's fair to say that the purpose of business is not primarily to maximize profits, though profits are crucial to the success and sustainability of a business. But the purpose of business is it's to serve. It's to serve uh, clients and customers and meet their needs and, you know, it's just like just like we need to eat to survive. Businesses need profits to survive. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's the purpose, that that's the point of why businesses exist. Got it. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like we do tend to hear uh, a lot about that desire to maximize profit and, and almost that uh, in exclusivity. So why do you think that there's such a difficulty for advisors to then integrate um, faith into their practice? Well, I think if you, you think about why businesses exist in the first place, and if it is purely financial, then it's easy to start to creep down that, that slope, that rationale, which can excuse a lot of, um, shall we say, unbiblical practices 
in business and unbiblical forms of profit because it's purely about a means to an end, right? If it's just about the financial implications, then we're not really as cognizant or aware or concerned about how businesses are actually making that money. So let's maybe talk a little bit more uh, about that lack of awareness and uh, why that may be. Yeah, I think, you know, a, a lot of the lack of awareness is, oh, I mentioned a moment ago, sort of this chicken or the egg, where advisors um, may or may not be aware of the option, but even if they are not bringing it up and discussing it because clients aren't asking for it. And I, I think the irony there is there is a big desire to differentiate and, and a big need for it for advisors to stand out and and be different from other advisors. And I think a great way to do that is to raise awareness, to ask questions that clients aren't being asked typically that makes them think, that makes them perk up and say, huh, I hadn't really thought about it that way. So I think in that obstacle is, is a real opportunity. Well, I completely agree with that sentiment. I think that, that closing the gap in awareness is a large reason that uh, we started this podcast a, a year ago to try to inform our audience about faith-based investing, uh, educate advisors about that, and really as an industry, we still have a lot of hurdles to overcome, but I think we're making huge strides towards opening that conversation with advisors. Um you know, and at least from our perspective, in the end, it's that advisor's responsibility to bring the ideas to the clients. Uh, and that's really where we focus most of our efforts today. Yeah, exactly. And advisors are in a unique situation and have a real privileged position. And I speak of this as an advisor myself and a CFP because we get to hear some of the most personal information from clients, things that they're not willing to share with hardly anyone else. You know, if you just look at the statistics and see like how um, guarded people are about the topic of money. And, and in some of these studies and research I've seen, I mean, people less inclined to talk about money and financial issues than they are about politics and religion and everything else. So um, there's there's a big opportunity there. And I think that advisors then, have we have the opportunity to guide clients through these things and help them reach goals that are aligned with their values and uh, their faith, if if they are um, spiritual, and and be able to align that and undergird the financial goals and the decision making uh, that they have. Yeah, I think that's an incredibly good point. So maybe let's shift gears uh, and and talk about uh, another topic in the book that really goes hand in hand with that. Uh, a lot of the clients. Uh, and you've probably seen this yourself, and I know other advisors have expressed this, they're somewhat far removed from their investments. They, they don't necessarily know where they're putting their money. Uh, and in chapter three, you really talk about the implications for the Christian investor, and you, you discuss that blind trust that they often have with their advisor and the lack of understanding that often goes along with that. Yeah, you know... Just a lot, a lot of the ways in which we invest, the vehicles that we can use, um, which for all the advantages that they have, do do a disservice. And I'm I'm thinking primarily about, you know, exchange traded funds, mutual funds, 
uh, index investing where it's it's become so easy to be so disconnected from the act of investing that you know how often do we hear or think about investing in the quote unquote market well to the extent that clients think they're investing in this abstract amorphous thing called the market um, they're much less likely to actually realize what they're really doing right because the market is just uh, comprised of companies and those companies all have an impact positive or negative on their customers employees the community the only question is are we going to take that into account but in order to do that we do need to uh, what I would call humanize investing and and really help people understand and make the connection with the act of investing and what that actually means um, and and make it less abstract okay so do you think then that a lot of your investors today, they just kind of look at it from the perspective of uh, they give their tithes, they give their offerings, uh, they participate in charitable giving, and through that, they're aligning their faith in their finances? Oh, yeah. I, I think that is the most prevalent mindset that you know a lot of Christian investors will say, essentially... I'm going to make as much money over here as I can so that I have that much more to give away on the other hand. But what people fail to realize with that type of thought process is that often the causes they support with their gifting are actually being undermined by their investments. So I'll give you an example and hopefully bring to light a little bit. You imagine a client who's a passionate supporter of the American Cancer Society involved in the fight against lung cancer who also owns tobacco stocks in her portfolio. Now, you can see, if, if we're aware of these things, how those are clearly in conflict with one another, and clearly those two things are, are working across purposes. But if her advisor doesn't bring it up and doesn't raise that level of awareness, she's probably not going to be aware of it. But if she is made aware of it, um, you know, that's that's very valuable. And I have to believe that clients in that situation are going to be thankful that um, that they now can understand that connection better. And it gives more meaning to their their investment portfolio. Yeah, I, I think that's a great example. And, uh, you know, it really speaks to why screens are so important to us at Guidestone. Uh, the, the screens that we utilize within the funds are, are very representative of uh the work of the the many ministries that that we support that we actually work with um you know they they have those same exact scenarios that that run through things that they work on things that they uh, deal with on a day-to-day -day basis uh, but if they were investing differently they would be supporting many of the things that they work against yeah i'm glad you brought that up will I, for starters there is negative screening, and the goal there is to to do no harm. Uh, the because money is so powerful, it's important for advisors and their clients and investors to ask themselves if they're aware of the causes they're supporting and how those companies, uh, the underlying companies they're investing in, are profiting from those investments. So companies like Guidestone screen out specific stocks and sectors that don't align with a faith-based or values-based approach. For example, companies that create or support pornography, tobacco, alcohol, these kinds of things, those companies don't align with Christian values and their stocks are typically gonna be screened out of those investment portfolios.
Yeah, I think that's a really good description of, of the negative element. Uh, and for uh, all things negative, there's also a positive side. Uh, so positive screening is another topic. Uh, and while there are a number of companies that are avoided because they do harm, certain other companies, uh, many investors favor because they help others or they make a positive impact while also performing well in portfolios. Right. I, I think it's important to take a step back from the uh, what I was describing a little bit ago, this overly mechanized and abstract thought uh, and, and understanding of investing and, and realize, again, what, what does it mean to invest? And it's becoming a partial owner in a company. And each one of those companies has an effect on customers, employees, the community, the environment, society at large. Those are all stakeholders of the company. So if you're to think about positive impact, I think what's really helpful, it certainly has been for me, is to think of maximizing stakeholder value rather than shareholder value. And there's a growing amount of research that says that this type of approach call it a more redemptive approach to investing, not only does not harm performance, but it can actually help it over the long term. And, and it doesn't take too much imagination to think of why that could be. You know, a company that is making a positive impact on its customers, its employees, community, um, that positive impact is going to create advocates, not just customers, but advocates of those companies. And that, more than anything, is going to drive long-term sustainable growth. Well, Chad, I think the uh, bringing up the stakeholder model, uh, I, I think that's a great contrast uh, to what we see in a lot of the, that shareholder primacy model. Uh, and it really, I guess, serves as a good segue into to the last chapter that, that I want to touch on, which is chapter 10, um, deepening client relationships. And in that, you dive into the client-advisor relationship uh, because clients are the stakeholders for advisors. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I, you know, my favorite part about that chapter is that it it challenges advisors to to change the way that we think about client reviews uh, and and client investment performance you know instead of just viewing it as a means to an end that investing is just purely a way to make a financial return if advisors are able to use that time to review yes the financial returns but in addition this call it social returns of the stocks and and bonds and portfolios that clients hold and help the clients truly understand what their investments are or are not doing i think it can be just that much more meaningful in terms of what those review meetings could look like. Aside from challenging advisors to how they view these meetings, advisors can also use that time to educate their clients and help change the way they think about investing. Uh, instead of just showing them a ticker for a company in a dollar amount, that gives the advisor uh, a chance to, to dive deeper uh, and explain how companies align with that client's values and what social good they can do. Exactly. And when an advisor takes the time to make that connection, to humanize the act of investing, you know, they, they'll be able to get a better sense for and connect with the client and their values and, and what's really driving them and what's 
most important to them. And of course, as an outgrowth of that, deepening their relationship with clients and who who doesn't want to do that. So earlier I mentioned, you know, I've had the opportunity to to meet and talk with a lot of advisors around how they uh, connect with clients and and have talked about the opportunity for discipleship in the lives of their clients and advisors are in a really unique position to be able to do this and present a whole new uh, what I would certainly characterize as is a much more impactful meaningful way to think about money in general but investing in particular and what the Bible teaches around that um, and and there are plenty of scriptures that that help inform this process but I, I would just say here here's one way to think about it that might be helpful is um, you mentioned you know just thinking about investments as purely a means to an end a, a ticker symbol on a page right well the problem with that is we really want as advisors we want clients we need clients to have conviction in their investments and how can you have conviction in a ticker symbol, in something that is meaningless, abstract? So the more that we can help encourage and get clients to connect with the companies and and the funds that they're investing in, um, the the better the chances are that they're actually going to have conviction in the process and going to be able to not make those same old behavioral financial mistakes that we've seen over and over again. There is a real teaching moment here, uh, and it's often overlooked by many advisors because they are focused on uh, the business elements, how many clients they can get through the day to day. Uh, and they've really been taught to focus on that concept of performance. Um, but it's it's the valuable tools that can be put in front of them, like your ebook that can really help turn those things around. So Chad, Thanks for joining me here today and helping us kind of look through the ebook, hit the highlights, and really talk about the benefits of bringing that faith-based investing discussion uh, to the forefront. Well, thank you for having me, Will. It's been great to talk with you. And you know, for listeners who are interested in the ebook we mentioned, you can find it through the Denver Institute for Faith and Work. It's Denver Institute for Faith and Work. It's a great organization I partnered with to produce that, and um, and it's easy to find uh, through them. So, um, yeah, thanks again. Absolutely. Well, friends, I definitely encourage you to go out there and check out the ebook and learn more about the faith-based investor. And as always, if you have any questions about this topic or our podcast feel free to email us at faithbasedinvesting at guidestonefunds.com. Investment considerations. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There can be no guarantee that any strategy, risk management or otherwise, will be successful. You should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Guidestone funds before investing. A prospectus with this and other information about the funds may be obtained by calling 1-888-GS-FUNDS, 1-888-473-8637, or downloading one at guidestonefunds.com funds. It should be read carefully before investing. Guidestone Funds shares are distributed by Foreside Funds Distributors, LLC, not an advisor affiliate. 
Foresight is not a registered investment advisor and does not provide investment advice.